Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 87th episode of the Pulling Tar Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. This week we have Justin Moser, General Manager of the Highline Bears, but that team name will be changing soon, and uh, we'll talk about that in the episode, of course. Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog. Really can't stress that enough. Um, there's something for everybody back there. Um you name the position, we've interviewed somebody that, that works there in minor league baseball. Uh, if you want a shout-out, it's super easy. Drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. That helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the TARP crew. I would, go, I would like to go ahead and share uh, the newest comment we have on Apple Podcasts. And this is from... Art J. Witt. It's titled, Must Listen for MILB Fans. It's a five-star rating. He said, I stumbled on this podcast on Twitter and quickly went down the rabbit hole of past episodes. It's a lot of fun hearing the game day stories from different teams and getting some insights into the minor league baseball industry. My only comment is Bobby should have more West Coast teams on the show. This is a must-listen podcast for MILB fans. Thank you so much, Art J. Witt. Um, we're starting off with West Coast uh, with this episode, so enjoy that. Um, we I have uh, reached out to some more teams on the West Coast per your comment. So, um, yeah, even if you guys want to have some constructive criticism, want to share that with me, Go ahead, drop that in the comment on Apple Podcasts. Anything to help out the show, right? In case you missed it, there's finally a designated Twitter account for the podcast. So go ahead and follow that at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tarp Podcast and reach out about coming on as a guest. Also, that's where businesses can reach out to become sponsors as well. Uh, if you want to follow me personally, you can f- do that on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. With that being said, let's chat with Justin Moser. Justin, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, that that is that makes my life a lot easier, actually. So um, we were talking a little bit beforehand, but uh, what exactly got you into working in baseball? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I've listened to podcasts for a while now, and I love it. Um, I love your logo um, as Thank well. You. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, t-shirts and things like that coming out in the future. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for having me. 
It, you know, um, I was always, I was always a baseball fan, a baseball lover. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately my, uh, my baseball career, uh, was not as glamorous as I always dreamed it to be, um, as I got older. Um, and being an undersized player and unfortunately being a, um, kid who had opportunities going into junior college baseball, but thinking he was better than he was, you know, didn't pursue the opportunities that were there for me to get bigger and, or to get better yeah. and to play college baseball. So, you know, I always toyed with the idea of trying to figure out how to play indie ball or something like that. And then uh, being an entrepreneur on the side, I was interested in summer collegiate baseball. And I had always heard stories in our from friends who were older about our stadium that we play at now and how it used to just be the epicenter of baseball in the community. And so back in the, uh, it was built in the forties originally, and it was made out of wood and held about 2000 people. Wow. And I guess just Friday and Saturday nights, the place would be packed Nice, and it'd be overflowing. They didn't even have an outfield fence when they built this thing. And yeah. so they broke off the outfield and it'd just be overflowing. And, you know, there'd be teams, uh, that were sponsored by local businesses, pay and pack, uh, was a big one. And, uh, you know, the Seattle studs played there and just tons of teams with rich history and the King and his court came and played there. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but it was a, a men's fast pitch team. And I think it was only three or four guys. Oh. And he used to pitch to uh, baseball teams, blindfolded behind his back, between his legs. You got a YouTube okay. video of break. Uh, and so it was really popular. And then in the, in 77, the stadium burnt down and then they rebuilt the stadium and that's the one we play in today. And it just, baseball is never the same. It wasn't as popular on Friday and Saturday nights. The teams had either disbanded or moved and it just wasn't as popular. And so I grew up actually playing in the stadium that we play in today. Okay. Um, I won a pony state championship, uh, with our team playing there nice. uh, under the lights on a Friday and Friday night. And so, you know, I had that connection with the stadium and um, people around me did. So we decided to bring a team back. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing, what we were trying to do, um, you know, that it was a business model, um, you know, what summer collegiate baseball could be, the entertainment side of things. We just knew we wanted to build something for the community that people could come out sure. and enjoy. And being a baseball fan, that's what we wanted to provide. And so uh, we made a ton of mistakes and have limped along along the way. And now we are really uh, figuring out our stride and fitting into exactly what we want to be and what we want to provide the community. And I think it's uh, it's really exciting where we're headed. Yeah, yeah, it's super exciting. And for those of you that don't know, um, the Highline Bears are, you know, we're going to get into it. You guys are going to have a new team name soon. Um, but it's right outside of Seattle, right? Correct. Yeah, okay. we're in a West Seattle suburb. Okay. So, you know, we are um, 12 to 13 minutes from T-Mobile Park where the Mariners play. Okay, awesome. And you were saying that you're an entrepreneur. Um, and so not only are you the general manager of the team, um, but you are also a part owner um, so I'm sure that stretches you a lot of different ways, but you're also, you have been at least a high school swim coach. So how do you juggle working in baseball with all those extracurricular activities? Yeah, I'm not sure. I've always been 
entrepreneur mindset, you know, selling baseball cards when I was a kid, Pokemon cards that now looking back, I wish I hadn't sold. Right. Um, and, um, you know, going to swap meets on Saturdays, running garage sales, mowing lawns, everything you can think of. And then uh, started my first company in high school. It was a video production company. And we ran that for a while. And it was right before YouTube started taking off okay. and all of video. So we were just a little before our time. And then uh, aquatics has always been my background. I was a swimmer and a baseball player in high school. Okay. And then uh, I was a lifeguard, swim instructor, um, part-time as a job in high school. And then after high school, I stuck with that, ended up being a manager and supervisor. And um, having the relationship that I did with my boss, I was always able to be flexible and be able to do my side hustles or, okay. you know, when uh, we started the team, be able to do that as well. Sure. And so it's always been something I could fall back on and swim coaching in the evenings, kind of moonlighting as a swim coach okay. and trying to get this business off the ground and get the team off the ground and, you know, do whatever it takes to continue moving forward. And, you know, unlike a lot of summer collegiate teams that come in and have ownership groups that, um, you know, are backed by people who have, you know, financial means and are able to invest. We've really done it grassroots okay. and we've really, uh, had to kind of pinch pennies along the way. And sure. now we're really looking to, uh, do something where we can put in the amount of time, effort and money to provide our community what they really deserve. Fantastic. Love it. Um, so, you know, we t I, I have had some collegiate Wood Bat League, um, you know, front office members uh, on the show before, but mostly it's minor league baseball because that's who who I know already um, from me working in the industry. But so just kind of like spell out what your responsibilities are as the general manager. Are you signing players? Are you selling sponsorships? Are you doing both? I know that you said before we started recording that you're the one that is active on the social media and that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, exactly what is in your day to day, I suppose. Yeah, we're very much a startup and, okay. um, very, um, you know, the owners are very involved day to day on the different things we're doing Ooh. as far as marketing and sales, um, uh, as well as signing some players. Okay. Uh, however, we have the past few years really given that role to the head coach. We just hired a new head coach. His name's Justin Adams. Ooh. He's out of Taylor, Texas. We're really excited to have him. He's going to be taking care of, you know, I'd say 95% of the recruiting. Okay. And then, uh, one of my, uh, my partners and co-owner and he's the director of baseball operations Stephen finch uh he he runs a indoor baseball facility he's the general manager there and mm -hmm. so he has a wide connection with baseball players and colleges awesome. locally in the area and mm -hmm. so he does help with the recruiting and make sure that we're getting the players we need and that we're known out there and as far as me it's uh really the business side of things so sure. the selling tickets um sponsorships and advertising, working on corporate partnerships, and then making sure we put on the best event possible for uh, the people to come out to the ballpark. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, you guys were known as the Highline Bears for a long time. Uh, what has you guys looking to rebrand? So, you know, as I said before, when we were putting this team together, I, I'm, I'm not bashful about it anymore. I, I used to try to hide it because it was embarrassing, but we had no idea what we were 
doing. Okay. Um, and the amount of mistakes we were doing, you know, we had no idea, you know, that, um, you know, a name would be so important to our team. Okay. And so, you know, the location we're in, we're in an unincorporated area. So we're not in a city. Uh, we're in a town and neighborhood that's called White Center, mm. uh, which is a suburb of, say, the West Seattle area. Okay. And then that blends into West Seattle, and then um, which is part of Seattle. It's just off to the west. It's kind of a peninsula. Yeah. And then we have another little town and city um, just south of us called Burien. So we were hoping to figure out a name that wouldn't exclude anyone because this is our community. We want everyone to come and we wanted to, for people to know where we were and we went with Highline and the unfortunate part with Highline is one, it's not well known. Uh, there's a high school close by in one of the towns that is named Highline and there's a community college that's also named Highline. And so, uh, what ended up happening is people kept thinking we were either the college or the high school Mm. or a little league team. And then the bears, we literally just, we were going down the list. So should we go with, and we picked bears. So we came up with the Highline bears, uh, you know, the league was pressing, uh, of getting a name and team colors. And that's what we went with. Uh, luckily one of our, uh, players who helped us, he was a graphic designer and, you know, he, he helped us at the beginning. He did a great work and um got us off the ground to make us look professional but unfortunately we didn't have a name that stood out and that was that was pretty confusing so uh that kind of we juggled with that the last i'd say four years what we were going to do with our name you know we were really unknown and we're one of the few summer collegiate teams that are in a major city Right. We're one yeah. of the few summer collegiate teams that are, like I told you earlier, we're 12 miles away from T-Mobile Park. Yeah. You know, we have a major league team right down the road. Yeah. Uh, how are we going to stand out? Uh, how are we going to make sure that people know who we are? And, you know, we just got a hockey team, which everybody's excited nice. about the Kraken. You know, that's awesome. But yeah. it's like uh, we have a professional rugby team. We have a professional hockey team, soccer team. Uh, you know, baseball team, and hopefully we get the Sonics back, and yeah. uh, we'll have the NBA team back as well, and then we'll be covered for professional sports. Mm-hmm. So how do we stand out in one of those areas? And that's the biggest thing. And a lot of people thought that, you know, we can't be successful where we are, but there's 80,000 people within our community of West Seattle, mm-hmm. and they're looking for things to do within their community, and we're not necessarily selling baseball. You know, we're yeah. selling an event. You know, bring out the uh, the family. You don't have to be a baseball fan. Now, we welcome all the baseball fans because we're going to have high-quality baseball yeah. that's affordable for everybody, but we're going to have a really good time doing it as well. Yeah. Um, that's not going to break the bank. That's going to be the ticket is, is like, you guys are going to be much more affordable than all those other um, sports, you know, and events going on. So, um, and uh, so I was looking at your guys' social media, and it's down to two names and they're different, which is which is the new go-to in uh, minor league sports right now. So um, w- just share with us, what are the two names and uh, which one are you leaning towards personally? So, like I said, we've been juggling the rebranding for a little while now. And then we finally decided uh, once COVID hit, uh, we had some ownership changes and so uh, one of our own, we bought out one of our owners who no longer wanted to be involved. And then uh, we were looking for someone to come in. And uh, an interesting piece and kind of a side piece, we almost uh, sold the team oh. uh, during COVID. Uh, we had some people who run another summer collegiate team 
and multiple teams and I was talking and trying to get investors in so that we could really launch this thing and they were interested in taking the majority share of ownership and we went back and forth they uh, flew up here they took a look and they were really interested in what we had uh, unfortunately the numbers just didn't work and um, it kind of solidified hey we have something here that can work and so after that uh, we found another person who was interested and he's local and uh, he was interested in going all in but the one requirement he had was we've got to rebrand the team we need something that stands out yeah so uh, we talked to a few different companies and then we landed on brandios and yeah. they have a great track record but like you said one of the big things is they come up with crazy names. Yeah. And so understanding that process, I just, I, I dove deep and figuring out what is the process, what has worked, you know, they've, um, they've done such a great job with the trash pandas and the pit spitters and the El Paso chihuahuas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they have all these great creative names. So they went through their process, but what's interesting is, you know, we're a small budget summer collegiate team. Yeah. So, we're trying to run a process that minor league baseball teams are doing. And so it, it was a, it was a good push and pull between Brandios and ourselves mm -hmm. because it's like, Oh, well that doesn't work. And so their typical process is let's open it up to fans, take name submissions and run a name, the team contest, mm -hmm. which we did. Yep. And then after that, they typically narrow it down to five team names. And so they don't create any art at all. And they come up with five names and then they allow fans to vote. Well, once you, publish that you have five different team names you have to own those team names to be yeah. able to do it yeah. otherwise somebody's going to go out there and just buy your team name and actually the hockey team locally they had a list of names and there were a bunch of team names that were trademarked by random people oh okay and so yeah so that that was a, a big story locally so we were really aware of that well we started talking to a uh, trademark attorney and then the numbers just kept creeping up for every trademark that we had would have to get for every name Man. that we selected. We were just like, Oh, I think the Washington just, football team is having that same issue. They are. Yeah. yeah it, it's just, it, it's crazy. And I'm not sure if you've seen the, uh, the stuff with the, the Cleveland, uh, Indians yeah. Yep. And the guardians. They're, they're having a big problem yep. as well. So, um, I think they're a little different between Washington and Cleveland, but, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So we really made sure we were checking off our list. And then, uh, we went back to Jason at Grandios and we're like, listen, we, we can't get the trademarks we need. We can't afford the, the cost for getting all five names and then, uh, going through the process. So he said, well, Casey and I have been talking about a new strategy. He's like, we, what if we did two names and we actually created two different logos and we created a boxing match, you know, uh, and yeah. then the final team name remains and leave it up to the fans and people that support us to vote for the final team name. So we came up with two different marks and uh, we're using the location of uh, Dub C and Dub C is kind of a um, location identifier for both White Center and West Seattle. It's a really endearing term for the area. So we decided to go with that. It's a little unknown, but we're really hoping that we can kind of, you know, stake our flag in the ground and make it a little bit bigger. Yeah. So we're going with Dub C for that. And then uh, the two names are the Dub C Fish Sticks and then the Dub C Seal Slingers. Oh, man. They're, they're both amazing logos, too. Um, so... I, I like them. Um, the the seal slingers, I, I don't know, man. That that seems a little too, I don't know, maybe just um, violent. I, I don't know. Yeah, 
I mean, but it, but it's fun. It's funny. Um, I like yeah. it. Um, which one are you leaning towards, personally? You know, I don't. I, I think I change every single day. You know, yeah. and I think what's really interesting about this process is being active on Twitter. And I'm actually really glad that. Um, you know, typically in the summer, we bring in quite a few interns and we bring sure. in seasonal staff. And so our staff will go from, you know, three or four people and then it'll turn into 30 in the summer months, mm-hmm. which is great. But I'm not as active on social media because I'm helping run the events and different yeah. things. So I like being involved in the social media because I get someone's new perspective every single day, mm. you know, and multiple times That's per true. day. So. Uh, we've gotten a lot of pushback on seal slingers being violent or being aggressive. However, we've really made sure that in the logo, it you know the idea is that they're almost a team. Yeah. You know, the seal slinger is kind of a jab at what happens in nature mm-hmm. uh, with orcas throwing seals around. But you know, if you look inside the logo, the seal is winking. Yeah. You know, he's pumped up. He's got his fist, and then you know he's kind of the uh, the fast, funny guy, and then the orca is the is the muscle. And like then um, the fish stick character, I like the fish stick logo a lot. I like the French fried bats. Um, yeah. You know, he's got the backwards hat that's kind of a nod towards Griffey. You know, we were all Griffey fans yeah. growing up here in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I think I change both, you know, multiple times per day. I'm, I'm switching back and forth. And the feedback and voting has been amazing. We've had over uh, 3,500 votes as today. Okay. It's only been just over two weeks. Like, well, it, it's been incredible. Well, let's try to get you some more. Where can the listeners yeah. vote on the team name? Yeah, they can go to renameourteam.com. Okay. So if you go to renameourteam.com, you can vote. You can vote in two different ways. Uh, once you go to rename our team, it pops up. It's easy. You click on there. Um, you submit your vote. And then you can also pre-order merchandise for either brand. And then we're going to make the merchandise for both brands, no matter which one wins. Okay. So uh, you can pre-order your merch, and then um, you may have some limited edition merchandise yeah. uh, for a team that might not ever see the field. You guys are going to kill it with merchandise sales. I love it. Uh, Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we appreciate it. And yeah, the, it's it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and the guys at Brandios um, are great. I've worked with them on a couple different projects. Um, the one that comes to mind is we rebranded as the Delmarva Scrapple for one night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And you, being from the West Coast, may not know what Scrapple is, but um, it's, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, like a a processed meat kind of like, you know, picture like a, you know, what they say goes into a hot dog, but it's in like a loaf, but like people make like scrapple egg and cheese sandwiches and stuff like that. So is it almost like a spam? Kind of. You're, you're on the, you're on, it's, it's a little bit more like corn mealy. If, if, yeah. Okay. So, so scrapple, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. So I were, I worked with them on that and, and some other things as well. Um, but those guys at Brandios, Brandios, they are awesome. They know what they're doing. Um, so you are definitely in good hands there. Um, I yeah. They, yeah. They've been great. Yeah. Um, so this is the Pulling Tart Podcast. You're the GM. You have a small staff. Um, I can certainly relate to that. Do you have any crazy tarp stories? Okay, I... Uh... I don't have any crazy tarp stores, and I know you asked this question, so I was prepared. But I, um, we have a lot of crazy stories, all right. Okay. Um, and so one I'm going to give you. Uh, it happened our, um, I think it was our first year, and so um, 
our first years going by and we had somebody helping and they had just a cash box. Mm-hmm. It was like the eighth inning. And so, uh, you know, we don't have a shirt's work in the gates or anything like that. And this guy left a cash box on a table and he just left it out and nobody knew what was going on with the cash box. And he went out to go smoke his pipe. He was an older guy and he just, yeah. he wanted to go smoke his pipe. So he left the cash box there. We're in the middle of play. And somebody comes in the side gate on a bike, sees the cash box and grabs it. Our center fielder mid pitch starts yelling. He's stealing the cash box. He's stealing the cash box, books it from center field over to the side gate, jumps the gate and goes out of the field and then starts chasing this guy and the guy's on a bike. So he got away. And, you know, they, the umpires stop the game. Everybody's wondering what's going on. The other team's wondering what's going on. You know, it's taken us a minute because he was running and yelling. We had no idea what he was talking about. Yeah. And then um, the guy's going down a street. One of our assistant coaches is, like, jogging down the street or gets in his car and is, like, trying to find this guy. And um, then the uh, the guy who left the cash box comes rolling back in and is wondering what's going on. The cops are there. And then uh, come to find out, we were like, why'd you leave the cash box there? He goes, oh, it was empty. There was like 50 cents in there. Oh, my God. So this whole big thing happened. It stopped the game for about 10 minutes, and uh, there was nothing in that cash box at all. <laughs> that's, that's actually really funny. Um, is, yeah. is that the strangest thing you've had to assist with during a game? Um, that was pretty crazy. Um, let's see. We showed up, you know, we're, we're in the biggest county in Washington yep. and we've, uh, it, it's taken a long time for us to build our relationship with them. Okay. And so in the first few years, it was just, they thought we were crazy. They didn't think we were going to last. I don't think, you know, we didn't have a, a real partnership. We were kind of just a, a group that used the stadium mm. and we, uh, we showed up on, uh, the night before opening night or no, the night of opening, excuse me, the afternoon we're working and setting everything up and um, we don't have keys to the park at this point for the stadium. And so uh, they had changed the locks on our concession stand. They had uh, both the doors, uh, the sliding windows for people to order food were locked. Mm. The front gate was locked, but the side gate was open. And I couldn't find anyone. There wasn't a maintenance staff person anywhere. And uh, we we had to get creative to uh, get those locks open before opening opening night, and so uh, that that was pretty crazy as well. And um, yeah, that's uh, it's gotten a lot better since then. Uh, you know, we have a good partnership with them now. We just signed signed an extended deal for the next five years, so we're really excited about the things we're going to do with them. But that was a pretty crazy one. I think the craziest thing I've had to do is, you know. Being a, a small a small organization, it's you you fill in the roles you need to. Yeah. You know, we had our mascot performer call in last minute sick and not show up. So I've mm. definitely been in the mascot suit multiple go. times, and uh, I've I've been the PA announcer when the PA guy hasn't shown up before. Yep. And um, you know, it, it's just uh, you're wearing many hats and doing everything you have to do. And I think everybody in minor league baseball and summer collegiate baseball knows that feeling of, hey, yeah. we, we've got to make this work, whether it's cooking hot dogs or cleaning something up or running th- running events on the field, taking tickets, 
you're, you're doing anything you gotta do. Yeah. What's the strangest thing, like, that you've had to do? Like, I call it, like, the other duties as a sign. Like, you are the general manager, so really everything's under your title, but but what's, like, the strangest task that you've had to do? Strangest task? I, I think mascot was, was definitely up there. Yeah. Um, I've had to be a uh, field maintenance crew. Now we, we're, we're privileged. We have a turf, uh, turf field. Okay. So it's not too bad, but it was raining a bit and we typically don't get much rain in the summer here, uh, contrary to everyone's belief, <laughs> but, um, it was actually raining a little damp. And so the mound was really slick. So, you know, we had a delay and there, there was no maintenance staff around. So I was rummaging through us, you know, uh, maintenance bays and figuring out where the fill was for the turf and the turf rake and i'm out there making sure that the turf's getting raked so yeah it's uh, i think everybody's wearing wearing many hats there oh yeah for sure so what's the best and worst promotion that you've been a part of so far Best promotion, and this is a pretty standard one now you're seeing, mm-hmm. um, but uh, Christmas in July a few years ago. We okay. Ran, and it, it was a great event. And the reason being is we started planning that in uh, November the previous year. Mm-hmm. So the day after Christmas, we went out to every store possible, and we purchased Christmas trees, Christmas blow-ups. We got ugly sweaters for every single player, nice. and we put numbers on the back of them nice. and those were their jerseys That's and awesome. I, I've never seen so many college players get into one of our promotions yeah uh, without us having to ask them mm-hmm. and it was they were bringing their own Christmas hats nice. you know one dude had an elf costume that he wanted to wear as one of the relief pitchers oh and he wanted gosh. to wear that it was just it, it was great we had a Santa Claus out there um you know the was handing out gifts in a huge Santa bag. And we just lit up the stadium with Christmas lights and Christmas decorations. I think that was my, our funnest one. We had, uh, and we try to do Christmas themed stuff in the concession stand. So instead of having hot chocolate, we had frozen hot chocolate Mm. and, uh, they they did a great job in the concession stand that night. We did s'mores and just whatever we could do. That, That was, I think my favorite one so far. Okay. What's been the worst one? Or hasn't there been one? I I think the worst promotions, I I don't have any that um, come to mind off the top of my head. But from what I've seen is the worst promotions are the ones that we don't do a good job of getting people involved. Yeah. Right? So the worst promotions, and I I don't feel as bad when I see other places um, have to say, hey, we had to cancel this promotion. But I think it's the ones that don't happen. Mm-hmm. And your fans end up, it, it's so embarrassing when a fan asks you, it's like, oh, wasn't there supposed to be a giveaway tonight? And it's like, oh, yeah, but those are stuck in the next state over because shipping didn't, yeah. didn't work out. Right. Yeah. And so I think those are the worst promotions that I've been involved with. We've had a few times where it's just things haven't gone right and we haven't gotten whatever giveaway was supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, or it was just like, oh, this didn't come together. Or we have everything in line to do a promotion. And we didn't do a good enough job advertising and promoting the promotion so that mm-hmm. people show up and enjoy it. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, we do have... Oh, you? You've worked Ooh. in baseball. What was, what was your worst, best and worst? Oh, um, I think the best was 
Um, believe it or not, and I thought this was a pretty normal thing, but when, so I've worked for three different teams, and I got to the Delmarva Shorebirds, which are on the eastern shore of Maryland, um, here, and I actually live, like, 30 minutes away from there right now, like, I still go there as a fan, everything like that, um, but they had never done a Star Wars night before, and, I had already arranged that with the team that I worked for previously, um, and they kind of just told me to go ahead and run with it, and I'm personally not a big Star Wars fan, but I know other people are, and I know that it's um, a fairly inexpensive promotion to do. Um, so I arranged that, and that was a big hit, because nobody had even seen that you know, in our community here um the worst one was i would say um there's a pretty popular country artist from this area um and he's about he's from about like 15 20 minutes away from me which is about i would say probably 45 minutes away from the stadium so was it it was it kind of a stretch sure but he's you know the biggest thing that's come around this area and he's got he's got some number one hit songs on the country charts and stuff like that his name's jimmy allen and um so i reached out to him via facebook and he told me to get in touch with his people um and we we're trying to do a bobblehead giveaway and an appearance by him well, I reached out to him before his song went number one on the charts, and it was gonna be, you know, like, let's just say, for instance, like, his his fee was going to be X amount um, to make an appearance, and my GM kind of sat on it for, for too long, and um, his song went number one on the country charts, and his price quadrupled. Um, so we, we did do the bobblehead giveaway and it just didn't, I don't know if we didn't, um, advertise it like in his hometown well enough or, um, or what, but it just didn't pan out that the, the way that we thought it was going to, um, he, he is kind of a new kind of country, like that poppy country. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. so, so maybe like the real country people, you know, didn't didn't feel inclined. I'm not sure what the issue was, but, um, so those are, those are my best and worst ones. I feel. What's the, what's the craziest job you've had to do? Oh man. Um, probably the craziest would be, I had to get rid of a possum in a trash can one time. Um, but besides that, uh, the sump pump went out in, the home dugout and it rained overnight and it was filled so high and we literally got a bucket brigade and was and to clear out the the home dugout um that was pretty crazy yeah yeah that was that was pretty crazy um yeah uh i do i do remember one time where my computer i was the pa announcer and um and the dj all from the same computer and the computer did a mandatory update that i had been putting off for like two weeks and 
So the the script was gone, the music was gone. When players came up to bat, I was literally turning on the FM radio. Um just so that there was something. And if there was ads in it, you know, so so be it. But um so that that took about three innings one time. So um yeah, man. Uh, so, so the minor league lifestyle isn't isn't is not necessarily more glamorous than collegiate summer league for sure. Yeah, the similarities of the business models and just what people have to go through uh, it's it's amazing to me. You know, mm-hmm. I never connected that when I was uh, not in the business, and now just you know, I have friends that are GMs or former GMs of minor league teams, or that work in minor league baseball, or we have our interns that go and get jobs, and they're like, oh, it's it's the same, except the players are getting paid by right. the big club, the talent's a little higher. Yeah, you know, I would have, I would imagine it's a lot easier to get the players involved in the promotions, like you like you were saying, like the the Christmas in July, you know, those those types of promotions. I would you know, to make videos for your social media, I would imagine it's much easier to get your players to do stuff like that rather than the minor league players. Definitely. And I think I know um my business partner Steven always talks about it. You know, his favorite thing every single year is seeing the guys that come in that haven't played in front of a ton of fans. Yeah. Because unless you play, even some of the, you know, D1 programs that aren't, don't have a popular baseball following, they don't play in front of a ton of fans. Right. So, you know, they get to play in front of, uh, you know, over a thousand people in our ballpark and then they get, get to give their first autograph. Just when a kid, when a little leaguer comes up, they just don't know the difference. And they're like, you got a, you got two hits today. You got hit a double, yeah. and I want your autograph. You're my favorite player for the summer. And just seeing college guys get that experience, I I think that's that's pretty cool. And that's when they start to buy it. Yeah, when they start you know getting that feeling of oh people people actually care about how I play, and you right. know they're coming here to watch me, and they, they start to buy it. Yeah, and in minor league baseball, it's completely different, right? So like you could have a guy that play to LSU that plays in front of sold out crowds every night, thousands upon thousands of people. And then he gets drafted by the Oakland A's or the Miami Marlins. And they get sent to Beloit, Wisconsin, where you may be getting a thousand people a game, probably under that, um, in my experience. So, um, yeah, it's, it's oddly similar, but the differences are pretty, you know, significant. But, um, yeah, uh, love what you guys are doing. But uh, we do have some sure. listener questions. Awesome. Um, so let's see here. We so we already addressed this a little bit, but Zach Beeson, um, he's Zach Beeson twenty two on Twitter. Where did the Bears name come from? 
And yeah, as we talked about before, we just had no idea. And we, we were just grasping at straws, really. You know, it was like, oh, what, what could we be? And, you know, we grabbed bears, which I think is pretty much what every athletic director or, you know, high school principal does when they have to pick a mascot. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, what should we be? What should we take? Oh, the Warriors, the Wildcats, the Tigers, the Bears, you know, or the Cardinals. It's just, you know, and there's so many of them. And I talked about the location, you know, we didn't pick one that was really well known, but we picked one that's just kind of the general area. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that was uh, to our downfall. You know, some of the people helping us at the beginning really pushed back on on the Highline name and they wanted to do something, you know, White Center or uh, Seattle or something in that general area. And looking back, it may have been smarter to do that. But if we had stuck with Bears, I don't think it would have helped to stand out at all. Right. And when you pick one of those basic names, I think it really does just make people think, hey, you're a Little League team. Hey, you're a high school team. You know, because when somebody hears that, it doesn't stand out in their mind. Sure, sure. Um, so this one is from Paul Caputo, who's a former guest on this podcast. Um, he writes for sportslogos.net, um, and he interviewed you, apparently. Um, he also yeah. collects a lot of um, helmet sundays, um, you know, the little plastic helmets that you serve the ice cream in. Um, he wrote, I enjoyed speaking with Justin for my article on the name change. My question is, whichever nickname wins... Can we expect Helmet Sundays with the new logo? We, we've never done Helmet Sundays. Um, and I didn't know they were so popular, honestly. Yeah. Um, and in his collection, it's amazing. It, yeah. it was great talking to him. And it's awesome see, following him on Twitter and seeing every everything he does and posts and just the amount of stacks that people go out of their way. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I am going to figure out how to do Helmet Sundays and uh, make sure they are added to people's collection. And I, I wonder, and maybe you know, I know the mini ones are really popular, mm-hmm. but do people collect the bigger ones too? I sizes? Do you have any idea? So I think that people still collect them, but maybe not to the degree of the little ones. Um, so okay. like I have a Milwaukee Brewers, like I think it's probably a three quarter size helmet. Um, that I got nachos in when I went to the oh, stadium. Okay. And, like, I put, like, my keys and wallet in it and stuff like that. I keep it in my man cave. This is this is my man cave. Um, so, I, so, I would say to get the little ones, and if you can make the the bigger ones for nachos or or something, french fries maybe, I'm not, yeah. you know, you could do, like, a chicken tenders and fries basket or something like that in there. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I would, tr- I would try to get the, the little ones first. Yeah. I definitely think we have to do the little ones and not seeing how popular they are. Yeah. So yes, we will have it for the winning team name. Okay, cool. But uh, he's got to come out to the ballpark to get it. Oh, he, he will. Yeah. He, he travels yeah. a lot for work. So that's where he gets all these. Um, there, and there is quite the community online. Um, that people trade back and forth and stuff like that. Yeah. The the 
little niche baseball collecting community. I, I just, I love it. You know, um, until I really got involved with uh, this whole process, I didn't understand how many new era hat collectors there were. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand people wore them for fashion, but a lot of times I thought it was, you know, it was the main hats that you saw. I had no idea that people loved these obscure hats and, yeah. you know, like, clink room is crazy to me hat club and so uh going into that community and then seeing you know dad hats um have a mm-hmm. huge following and now mm-hmm. uh you know the ice cream um caps it, it's just awesome i love it yeah yeah for sure um and then randall how do you say this hauk h-a-u-k yeah um, it's either hawk or hauk uh i'm okay. not sure uh randall and his family have been dedicated fans for us for quite yeah. a few years um i know him um his wife and uh his his kids they play in the local little league here okay. as well and they, they've been they've been great fans and he's verified on twitter wow i know he's awesome yeah, yeah. he's a he's a uh, a writer and he follows soccer a lot as well yeah so he, he's a sports guy yeah he um apparently writes about the bundesliga which is the german uh soccer league over there um, so he wrote, um, me and the fam will listen, of course, when it's posted. So, um, he said, be sure to share on the team account. So, um, we are ready for next summer. He also, oh, here we go. Um, what changes beyond the name can we expect when fans are allowed back into the park for home games? I've, uh, I saw this tweet and so there's some things I can talk about, some things I can't, sure. but I will say we're changing a ton of things. Um, and we're really excited about them. Um, one big thing that we are doing, so our stadium's bench seating. So it's all general okay. admission right now, right? It's yeah. just benches, no, no seat backs or anything. So okay. we're putting seat backs okay. on all of the, uh, and restoring the benches inside the stadium and that hasn't been done since it was built and uh opened in 1980 so yeah that'll be really nice and there's never been backs on so backs uh numbered seating that'll be really exciting uh the uh, amount of theme nights that we're going to be doing uh, is going to increase and the creativity there um i think we're going to just um go as far as we can with you know putting on a show putting on a circus yeah you know in center stage there happens to be a baseball game going on so yeah. i think it's just just more fun and um you know we're still brainstorming the things we're doing and obviously some of the stuff that we're going to do is going to depend on the team name that we go with right so how, how can we how can we gauge things that way but we, we are making lists and brainstorming i'm sure you've been in tons tons of those meetings and yeah. just hey what can we do that's that's crazy wild and weird and so that's what we're going to do um and just uh another thing that we haven't done a lot of but we're going to offer uh baseball camps okay uh throughout the summer which is something we haven't done i know it's very common in minor league baseball but i think that'll be great for the kids and then uh hopefully expanding in the future doing out of out of season baseball events as well okay very cool very cool um i was gonna ask you i can't remember what i was gonna oh um I would I would imagine right that um, some new menu items might depend on the team name as well. Definitely, yeah. Actually, we're meeting on Wednesday to go over that uh, with okay. our concession stand manager um, and uh, one of my business partners. We're going to go down and start talking about some improvements. We're going to do the concession area and what we are going to offer based on the team name. 
Okay. You know, what's the concession stand going to be called? What are we going to offer based off of those? Uh, one big thing we're going to expand on is just for, um, you know, some gluten-free options okay. um, in the stadium. We haven't uh, been able to do that a ton, but do things for people that have some food allergies and just different stuff there. And then sure. how can we get creative and crazy on the uh, on the concession menu? Yeah. You know, it's like we have a pulled pork sundae which Ooh. is pretty crazy. And okay. so, you know, it's full pork, there's coleslaw, there's baked beans in there, nice. you know, and it's stacked in a clear cup. That, uh, that one's good. pretty crazy. Uh, I think there's mashed potatoes in it as well. Um, I stay away from it, but that, that's a crazy <laughs> one. How can we just uh, do things that stand out? I really want to be a place where people come to eat. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, it's dinner and a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to have some things where they're like, oh, you know what really sounds good tonight is blank and then it's like oh well we have to go to the game to get that yeah you know i want to i want to be the destination for some foodies as well yeah what about those um those beer drinkers i'm sure you guys have some good seattle um brews on tap yeah so unfortunately our agreement with uh the county we haven't been able to sell beer um, within our stadium so uh that's something uh something we're working on though okay all right sounds good uh, so Justin, where can the listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so they can follow us currently at Highline Bears. Yep. So on Twitter at Highline Bears, Instagram at Highline Bears, and Facebook Highline Bears. That will remain the same until we rename the team. All and right. so they can keep following that on our social media accounts and go to renameourteam.com to vote. You can vote every day. You can buy merchandise every day as well. I really think that merchandise every day is going to be gonna be really good so you know so yeah buy, buy a t-shirt do your christmas shopping now um we'll, we'll be able to get stuff to you and then uh we'll be changing all the handles once uh we announce that we're renaming the team perfect perfect uh all right so you've listened to a couple episodes you know i always close out with this question uh during your career in baseball what has been your favorite walk-up song and whose was it this is a no-brainer for me. Okay, so the first year on our team, uh, with our team, we had a kid named Miles Wesner, um, and he's great. He lives here now, um, and he went to Central Washington University, which is a, a D2 school um, on the other side of the mountains, and he's Australian, um, and uh, he's from Brisbane, Australia, and just a unique unique guy right yeah. He's, he was wearing the high shorts before anybody was wearing high shorts mm-hmm. and you know um just uh crazy loved his energy and it was a fan favorite and he was our leadoff guy and he had the lion king song <laughs> that starts out the movie as yep. his walk-up song and i still get fans coming up to me this day asking where he is and if anybody will have that song again that's so awesome. that's by far hands down the best walk-up song and he stuck with it all year he yes. you know a lot of times <laughs> players will give him the option to change you know they'll have three and they'll rotate them or something yeah. like that he never changed it. he stuck with that song the entire time and he actually threw out a first pitch for us um after he was done and he came out and we played that song and just everybody on their feet because they knew exactly who was coming out. So that's that, that was awesome. the easy one. That is so cool. That is awesome. All right, Justin. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, reaching out to come on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck moving forward with the new team name. And uh, be sure to let us know how we can help. Definitely.
thanks so much for having me, Bobby. I love the podcast, and I'll I'll keep listening. Awesome, thank you, man. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.